Hey, how are you? I want to tell you about something that Father Dan does not know about. Um, World Villages for Children launched today on Good Friday, uh, something that I really want you to take to prayer. It's called Sponsor a Sister. If you go on the worldvillages.org and hit the blue link on the homepage, you'll see a Sponsor a Sister's link. Um, and you're going to see some of my buddies, Sister Rosario, Sister Martha's in there, Sister Amelia. You're going to see 12 of them. So Jesus chose 12 apostles. We decided to start with 12 sisters of Mary. Um, those three are buddies of mine. I met them when I was down there last summer. I could tell you many stories about them. But what these are, they're mother sisters. And I want you to join in. If this podcast, if what Father Dan has brought to you the previous six weeks in this Lenten podcast has touched you, has moved you, and you would like to support what was kind of stuck into his soul back in 1992 when he first visited the Sisters of Mary in Chalco, Mexico, and you want to support his work and the sisters' work, please consider clicking link and looking at this Sponsor Sisters program. Whether, whether you want to prayerfully um, offer yourself for the sisters, whether you want to make a financial donation, two, three dollars a day would feed many, many, many children in these families. There's 30, 40, 50 families in these communities that the sisters have, these mother sisters have. You'll, you'll, you'll ignite something pretty cool. They'll write you letters. You'll see what they're doing and you'll become spiritually adopted by these kids. And by your financial support and prayer and this letter writing campaign, you'll, you'll build auto mechanics, engineers, architects, orchestral musicians, professional athletes, future priests and nuns. What you're gonna be doing by your support for Father Dan, the sisters and these children, these 21,000 children throughout the world, is you're building Catholic missionaries that the world so sorely needs. So please consider, prayerfully consider, helping to take these, these kids, these poor kids that have been, have been beat up and bullied by life, and these heroic sisters on this Good Friday, these heroic sisters that have taken the cross on their shoulders, the kids' cross, and they own it now. If you wanna support Father Dan and these sisters, please go to worldvillages.org and look for the blue link to support a sister. Thank you very much. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the final week of the Lenten Journey podcast with Father Dan, your priest on a mission, and Kevin Wells. Father, we've, we've, we've hit the end. We're on week seven. Uh, how, how's it been for you? It's, it's great. It's a great experience to be able to talk about the life of Father Al and, and the work of the sisters and even to share a little bit about my life down here uh, with the children and, and my soon-to-be uh, travels throughout the world. Yeah, Father. I think you might have realized this. We talked about this a, a long time ago. We wanted to end it on today, Good Friday. 
Um, this is what we were aiming for. And and we we finished it uh, really, I think, on the, uh, the last theme of victimhood, Jesus Christ on the cross, that he is the one true priest, the slaughtered lamb who came into the world to give himself, really, to die. So we're going to get into um, really the victimhood of the priest and really of, of who we are as, as sacrificial husbands, wives, friends, that we are to give all of ourselves. So Great. with that said, Father, I just I want to start this podcast with what you see every single day and what I saw a while back. And that is what the sisters, two sisters told me in Chalco. One was Sister Margie. And this is when I understood really what victimhood was and what Father Al, who he was. Sister Margie said, we are like Magdalene's perfume. Our time is precious. We give everything and all that we are to the children because they have been through too much. And I was like, yeah, you know, all sisters said, yes, Kevin, everything. And then I talked to, I guess it was Sister, Sister Marinae who said, Kevin, uh, I, I must live the gospel. I am to give up everything, mother, father, sister, brother, and pour out everything. If I need to die several times a day, then that is what Christ asked me to do for these children. I am to give all. So Father, from, from what those two sisters told me, from what you see, could you sort of step into that victimhood dimension? Well, from the sister's perspective first, um, I can only give you an example of what I know, you know, that sisters don't communicate to their families, Kevin, they, they commu communicate once a year. And so on the 27th of December, <clears throat> I had three sisters crying because they found out that one, their grandfather died, the other, their family had major disruptions in the unity of the family. I'll just put it that way. And the other, her father died. And so the idea of the perfume and the sacrifice of that, of that aspect is, is pretty powerful. The second uh, aspect spiritually is it's, it's a nonstop reality here with the sisters. You know, I, I offered this sister that we could have adoration in the morning before the mass. The mass is at 615. And usually I'm in this chapel and the sisters are in the other one. And they said, great. Well, I exposed the Eucharist at 5.15 and 6.15 repose, and then I have mass and I have adoration after. But the point is, the sisters run from the buildings. You know, I mean, who, who runs at five in the morning after you, you take a shower? Only these crazy sisters, <laughs> and they're running. I mean, to get to adoration, to, and, and that's even a sacrifice, you know? So... On a natural level, on an emotional level, the emotional is the death. The natural level is the physical aspect of, of running. And then you can really enter into the deeper supernatural reality is when the sisters are actually entering the pain of the girls. And so like a mother sister, like a mother and like a sister, religious or blood, the sisters suffer with the girls or the boys. Because when a kid, you guys know, man, when a high school kid wants to cough up something, you just got to open your ears. 
And so kids are just coughing up stuff. When I'm walking, they're like, Father, you got a minute? Next thing you know, they're talking about some pain that happened when they were five years old. And their buddies are all running by. Hola, Father. Hola, Father. That's how they wave. I'm like, what's going on? So it's a, it's a dynamic that parents would understand just multiplied maybe by 40. Yeah, that's it, Father. I, I saw them as crucified sisters when I was down there. It kept coming to mind that they're, they're crucifying their lives for these kids. And, and I wonder, Father, a lot of people are, are, are waking up today looking at the Good Friday podcast, this last one of Lenten Journey. And, and I imagine this thought just struck, them, struck me now. The sisters, with what you just explained, this victimhood for the children, is the mood this morning even more somber? Because the sisters can look to the cross and say, yes, I identify with you, Christ. I give myself fully. At least I try to, as you did. Well, what's happening is after Holy Thursday, we actually had adoration in the building so the kids could all go. And it was a beautiful witness. I actually asked that five girls from every family would be selected by their peers based on their service, based on their joy, and or even based on their suffering. And I actually washed their feet in a paraliturgical program. And so I had 500 girls' feet in front of me yesterday, and it was quite moving and quite emotional. Um, today, it's, I wouldn't, the somber or intense, because this, the kids are pretty quiet and it's, there's 3,000 girls. I mean, it's quiet for 3,000 girls. I mean, let's not act like it's a, it's a, uh, monast monastery, but they're also making the outdoor stations of the cross. They're doing the, they're going to do the divine mercy later. So the, it's a massive movement, but in reverence. So that's the way I would refer to it. It makes, makes perfect sense. And so confessions boy, and I'll be packed in the confession all day. <laughs> Father, you got a, uh, you, you got a cot in those confessions. Do you got a little, a little something well, you can lay on? Look, bro, sometimes, man, I'm, I'm, when it's hot in there, I'm glad I'm not in a St. John Vianney uh, <laughs> box because I can barely breathe sometimes. And the kids, every kid comes in with bright eyes and they, you know, the ones that start crying before they sit down. Oh, man, you got to buckle up. <laughs> oh, Father. So, so I, um, so Jesus came into the world to be the slaughtered lamb. He came into the world to be nailed to the cross. And something happened last week, Father, you probably don't even know. I know you don't even you don't even see these podcasts because you're running around hearing confessions, et cetera. But but we got into the top 10 saints of Father Owls and John Bosco was somewhere there in the middle, number five or six. And all of a sudden, people contacted me and they said the, the flow and the general feeling of the podcast changed when Father Dan said in a way you probably don't even remember, you said I. John Bosco took on the toothache and, and I don't get toothaches down here. I get something um, I would say far graver, far deeper. And, and you sort of fell for the next two or three minutes as you spoke about this, this, what you try and do for these girls. Some saw you, I think uh, really, I, uh, there's a symmetry to it. You were taking on the victimhood. You were taking on the victimhood of these girls embracing sort of their crucifixions. Could you, can you dive into that for us? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, really, when a kid has been hurt radically in, in a manner that they don't understand and by someone they love, 
the response on many of them is anger and disobedience, lack of trust and authority, um, gigantic question marks. And part of the struggle is they then take on a new identity that they're <clears throat> dirty or broken or unlovable. The word they use down here a lot is in, undignified. And, and then they go down these wrong, they go down these emotional paths. And so what happens is, what do you do for a penance when a kid is reacting in a very painful situation? You, I mean, what do you give them? A thousand rosaries? Or do you give them nothing and then you take that on? Because it's only a reaction. It's a trapped animal in the corner. It's a dog that's been beat constantly. And then somebody raises the fist and the dog reacts. Well, the dog barks or snaps or, of course, the dog wasn't born like that. And it wasn't baptized like that, so to speak. And so what happens is these girls and these boys, they have this response mechanism. That's the best I can define it as. And that then becomes their identity. And then they take on this lie that I'm broken and I'm dirty and, and, and I have no value. And then that's what they begin to live. It, it, you know, the, the best analogy, Kevin, and to the folks is, imagine, I've used this before, imagine, and I've used it with the girls. Imagine I have a brand new chalice and I, it breaks and all the pearls fall off it and all the jewels fall off it. It's still a chalice that held the dignity of the blood of Christ. And then if I refix it and straighten it up and polish and put the jewels back in, it's a chalice. It's always been a challenge. It's meant to hold the blood of Christ. The same thing is true with a child that's been through trauma or abuse. They were born a beautiful chalice, baptized a beautiful chalice, but then someone took the pearls off or bent it. And that's what it thinks it is. It's now meant for Coca-Cola. No. It's meant for something significant. And so the battle that I face many times, it's, it's the spiritual identity. And then it's, it's the battle of the anger and then the self-loathing. And so when they have been hurt, how do they get the pain out? Well, you can punch a wall like a boy can, or you can, you can cut yourself like a girl can. I mean, let's be honest. The only reason why they're acting like this and shooting out bullets of their mouth and, is because they want the pain out. That's why this stinking program is at least relieving them for five years and giving them the tools to go out and evangelize and to help their buddies who are in the same nonsense. And they say, I can help you. I can help you heal. So there's layers to it that, you know, I'm getting into. But, but you know, Wells, every time there's like one kid comes in and coughs up the pain, you know, you want to you go in and fine tooth comb it. I'm sure like a parent. Well, I got a whole train after that because that one and then that one and that one. And like, you know, it's sort of like surgery on the battlefield. It's really is. It's like meatball surgery, but I got to give them the tools and the sisters give them the tools to search it, to continue the self-surgery. And that's the work. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Father, so really it's a divine paradox, really, that the kids come in with these with these monstrous wounds and the sisters and you sort of take the cross. You become a team of Simon of Cyrene's and you work and you work and you work until you, in a certain sense, maybe five years later, you have the full weight of their 
wounds and their pain on your shoulder now, and you send them out into the world as these little Lazaruses. Finally, I'm done. The death is gone, and now I can step into the world. Yeah, and but they've got to step in with that interior dignity as well. The exterior dignity is natural. They 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 eat and they exercise and they study. I mean, they're they're typical teenagers, all right. So let's not canonize them. That's the beautiful part. So there's a normal reality to the vibrant ups and downs of the emotions. No problem with that stuff. But if they go out unhealed, that little dot of cancer that's not healed, and this is the analogy I use, it's going to metastasize. So I, t I ask them the question, do you want to heal? And then I got to bring them to Christ. If they want to heal, they can heal in the five years. And it's, a, it's a courage. Father, I'm sorry. I imagine when you ask that question, do you want to heal? It's, it sounds like a very mundane, easy thing to ask. But when you've been abused, as some of these poor girls and poor boys have for so many years, and they hear a spiritual father look them in the eye and say, do you want to heal? I imagine you've had to repeat that question a few times until they finally get it. Oh, oh my. I, I can actually walk away from this? Yes, exactly. Because... It's, it's the new identity they take on. It's, I'm no longer a daughter or son of God. I'm, I'm, I'm an unhealthy victim, Kevin. I mean, you know, you told me about like the idea of victim. They, they become unhealthy victims, which is because it doesn't produce any fruit. It's just licking wounds. And we can't do that. Explained well, Father. And it all goes back... The sister's identity, and in a certain sense, yours, when you when you first came down to Chalco in 1992, it goes back to Father Al. And I was looking up this past week, leading on the, the Holy Week, about this victimhood, this passion. And Father Al had written uh, just a few things I'll, I'm going to throw out here about sacrifice and victimhood. He, he, had, he had wrote written once, and, and Father, I imagine you're sort of living this out as, as, a, as a priest trying to fill his enormous shoes. He said, you know, Jesus repeats the same message when he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and only the violent can take possession of it. As you know, the kingdom of heaven is in our hearts, but you must do violence to obtain this kingdom, this holiness. This violence is to oneself. This self-violence is another name for sacrifice. To sacrifice, you must do violence to your desires, violence to your needs violence to your human nature and violence to your instincts. So to practicalize that, I imagine oftentimes, Father, your instinct is, you know what, I'm going to hide out in my room for a little while. I, I want to take a walk but where the girls won't see me. I want to I want to sort of, um, you know what, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to sleep until seven this morning because your instinct tells you to do that. But violence to yourself says, no, I cannot do this because my identity, the burden of my identity is to present myself as Jesus Christ, the victim to the girls and boys. Yeah, I, I actually, um, at the beginning, it was overwhelming because I didn't know how to process a lot of it. And so the only real answer was to go to the chapel and sort of unload this burden because I, it's, a, it's this. It's hard to unload. It was an English language, Spanish thing and a lot of things. But what what I began to realize is that that began to motivate me in a more beautiful way. 
And I just imagine myself like drilling, 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 or the Holy Spirit drilling deeper, deeper. And finally, like this, we got all the way down to the toes of these kids and there ain't anything else there other than smelly feet. And that's okay with me, but there's no wound. And so all that stuff has come out. And I just had an awesome retreat where for the older girls, fourth year, and we did this thing called the mantle of Our Lady, where four girls go under the exact image of the tilma of Our Lady. All five, all 600 girls from this year, fourth year went. And girls had an illumination of their conscience. They told me out, you know, in various conversations outside, I said, how did your retreat go, blah, blah, blah. And they would say, I had a memory, Father. I mean, that's the grace of the Holy Spirit because the kid's ready for the memory. Folks, when you have memories, when you have thoughts that come up, don't look at them as only accusations. Look at them as movements of grace because now you're ready to confront it. Now you got your, the Lord says, you got the grace. Let's talk about this, but you can't swallow it down. So that's the dynamic. And then they come and they want to talk and they just want to open. Let me open, let me open, let me open. I'm like, yeah, fine, open. But let's open to the core and all of it's got to come out. So that's the beauty. So it's the, 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 it inspires me. Yeah, they're, they're on the road at that point. They're on the road. They're no longer in the tomb. You know, Father, it, it's, I, I hate to bring it up, but I am. I, I just read yesterday morning that the latest Pew Research poll, it just came out, just came out, I think, two days ago. And I read it. And Father, I hate to break it to you, more bad news for the, for the church. Uh, essentially, without going into the numbers and percentages, people have stopped going to church. There's less Christians, fewer identify with the faith. Catholics sort of in the middle somewhere. It's it just, it's not good. And I was thinking, why? Obviously, you got COVID, you got all sorts of things. But I kept coming back, maybe because it's Holy Week, of this, of this lack of victimhood from pastors, priests, whatever denomination. And I, and I was thinking, you know, oftentimes you hear men, especially, they'll identify with, oh, I feel like I'm Peter. You know, Peter kind of blundered around and was a big bluster, but he always came back. I rarely hear anyone ever say, I identify with John, the beloved apostle. Well, John, John never quit. John stuck it out to the end and stuck his nose under the bloody crucifix. He walked the end of the line. And it's like when I was a sports writer, you know, I never met an athlete. Some of the, I've covered some of the greatest athletes in, in sports who didn't suffer, who didn't sacrifice to become the best athlete in the game. So whether it's John the cross, who he might have been crucified if they said it, what are you doing under the cross? You're dead too. He didn't quit. That athlete, Jordan, whoever, Cal Ripken, they didn't quit. They went to the end. They stuck it out to the end. So circling back with these people flooding out of these Christian churches, maybe they haven't been taught to embrace, to embrace these crosses, knowing that it's through these crosses that they be, can become more sacrificial, more like Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> well, from my perspective, I think there's the two C's. You have the cross or you have comfort. And I think that they don't mix. And that's part of the dynamic. The cross is a grace. Comfort is what the, what the children would say. It's egoisma. It's, it's a form of selfishness. So, um, you know, the identity of victimhood is the identity of a Catholic parent or a Catholic uh, individual that embraces Christ and the cross 
and the Eucharistic love of Christ. So unless there's that sense of offered sacrifice, it's an offered sacrifice, right? Pray, my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours. If that's not embraced, then the natural reaction is comfort. What works for me? And then what works for me? Everything else is an inconvenience. And really, that's the dynamic I've seen really in my work. That's really what I've seen. I've seen it and I've, I've spoken about it, that it becomes, um, it's an inconvenience. And the pastor, the priest that is generous and open and willing to not close, shutter the door at five, experiences a liberty, a liberation in the cross and a burden in comfort. It's an exact dichotomy. It, it's, it, there's a liberation in the cross, but then comfort becomes suffocating. And that's the beautiful grace that God gives to the sacrificial parent or, or, or uncle or aunt, grandparent or priest or sister. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense, Father. You broke it down well. And so you have the cross, you have comfort, and right in the middle, you have that other C word. As you've mentioned before, you have choice. So, so we, we got to bring it back. To, to Father Al before we before we jump out here, but Father Al made a choice when he went to when he went to the shack and wrote this book. It was a choice for him to to apply this self renunciation of comforts, this amputation of anything that would sort of slow him down. And and as you know, Father, he identified with maybe one of the greatest victim saints of all time. St. Therese of Lisieux, who offered her life as a victim soul. So Father Al ran to her, raced to her, because he saw a victim in, in Therese. So Father Al decided, I'm going to go to a shack. I'm going to become a victim for these kids. And, and all these years later, hundreds of thousands of children later, look at the harvest that his denial of himself, this cross that he picked up. You see it, Father. You see it. Look at what he accomplished through choosing the cross. Step into that as far as Father Al's concerned. Well, Father Al had had this, you know, to live, to die, to, to live as Christ, to die as gain. That was his MO. That was his belief, that, the words of St. Paul. And I think clearly that what he saw was every sacrifice, whether it was lunch not eating a lot, running, whether it was sitting in a straight back chair, whatever it was, whatever was sort of insignificant, but at the same time, unitive, like it would unite him with Christ. He embraced clearly, clearly, and he chose it. And then I think once he got in that habit, what happened is you then see other opportunities for choices. So the straight back chair, the sacrifice of lunch, then he begins to look for other because there's a liberty, there's a freedom, and the Holy Spirit starts moving in that dynamic. So I think that's what Father Al really embraced. And I think what he always did was he he just had the courage to unite that with the kids to the Holy Mass in an effort to liberate them and to educate them, of course, and all that. But yeah. Father, way to lock it down. Way to lock Father Andal. Uh So... Father, bad news for you or good news, I don't know, you decide. We wanted to do seven weeks of the Lenten journey, but but I've gotten a lot of feedback, and I don't know what you're hearing. Uh, really, I don't think you're hearing a lot. People would like to extend this thing. 
So you and I will talk offline about whether we want to keep on going. I want to keep going. I don't want to put you on the spot, but is it a maybe? Is it a yes or no for, for next Friday? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. Why don't I don't. Yeah. Why don't you consider going out to going out to uh, Pentecost? That's how I sometimes I would start men's groups or women's groups. And let's just go. The, the Gospels are full of hope and life. And the more I learn about Father Al, the more I can share with folks. Look, it's it's a it's a massive movement of hope. I, I know this doesn't make any sense. The other week, last week, I guess, last two days, the sisters, three days, were packing 3,500 Easter baskets. 3,500, man. I mean, every kid got, I don't know, a shampoo, a deodorant, a toothpaste. I mean, it's not like, and then, of course, you got to get the essentials of chocolate. And they got some blue sweatpant thing and whatever. I didn't get anything, but it was really cool. And, you know, just really cute to see the girls walk around with their new sweats on. That's their Easter gift. I mean, 3,500 of them, man. It's a miracle. <laughs> that, that is a miracle. And I packed none of the baskets, folks. None of them. I heard confessions. I'm like, no way, sister. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you, you chose the other cross. That's, that's a different type of cross. So, all right, Father, we got to wrap it up here. I, I do want to, I, I want to throw something at you. Today, World Villages for Children started something. Um, it's actually cool. You know nothing about it. It's called Sponsor a Sister. And and what it is, it's, you know, that you, you see it every day, Father. Every sister has 30 or 40 or 50 kids. And it's a way for them, for someone who wants to really to make a donation, to really become spiritually adopted by these kids and by the sister who will start praying for them every day. It's a way of uh, maintaining contact through letter writing. And really it's a way of building up kids um, through prayer, through connection, letter writing, and through a financial support for kids, you know, to build a future auto mechanic, a chef, a teacher, a nun, a priest, a professional athlete, because there's some from these girls towns and boys towns who are incredible athletes, or just a college grad. So we're throwing this out. Um, I, obviously, I'd imagine you'd be for this, but just in seeing these sisters, you know, the 50 that you see every day in Chalco and the 30 or 40 up there in Guadalajara, I think it's a pretty good thing. What do you think? Well, I think it's a, it's a necessary reality, actually. I think that the mission of the sisters is, it's, I think we have to put it in, in understanding that it's not just handing the kids a sandwich. It's teaching them how to fish in different pools how to provide for your family, how to evangelize your family, and how to be saints. That was the whole mission of Father Al. And so if you're looking to change a culture, if you're looking to change a generation, even within the context of one family, this is a great program. This is a dynamic program because sponsoring the mother's sister develops a spiritual communion that is badly needed. The kids need prayers, but at the same time, the kids are praying every day the rosary. So I think on, on that level, it's a, it's a unifying win on both ends. And, um, you know, kids offer up their sacrifices. You know, they, they tell me all this stuff. Yeah, I gave up my candy. I gave up this for the person who's, who's helping me. So I think it's beautiful. Very good. Thanks. Very good. Thanks, Father. So, so if you are interested in helping in, in any capacity, uh, go to worldvillages.org, and there's a blue link on the homepage that says Sponsor a Sister. It'll tell you all you need to know about the breakdown of, of different sponsorship levels, of letter writing, of, of really of how you can help 
free a kid to go out there as really as Catholic missionaries into the world that needs them and the community that they'll go back into that needs them. So you're supporting in a certain way the future Catholic Church, future missionaries to go out into the world. With that said, Father, uh, anything else before you lead us out with a blessing? No, thanks for doing the program. I think that's a great idea. I mean, look, the, the, the kids go back into their little parishes and they become catechists sometimes, you know, like, and they teach the faith and they become, you know, they sing in the choir, they become altar servers or lectors, you know, like, I mean, not all of them, I mean, but a lot of them go back and do all that. And they really start to help spread the faith. And what happens is they like, imagine that kid's grandmother is dying, but the daughter who spent five years here knows to go get a priest to anoint the grandmother. The grandmother was really Catholic. The parents maybe were or weren't, but the daughter's got a vibrant face. She knows Grammy's dying, go get a priest. And so the priest knows her, she anoints. I mean, how do you put a price tag on that? That Grammy, the faithful Catholic is dying. I mean, that's just like one of a million examples of the way that they learn to evangelize. They might not say it with the perfect words, but they have the perfect, they have a great intention. And so that's what I'm, that's what we're forming. We're forming these kids to say, get the sacraments to my families. They, they talked to their families, Wells, about getting married in the church. The girls talked. I gave them a talk on how to call the pastor at the church and say, hi, father, my mom and dad are not married. Could you prepare them? Hold on a second. Mom, it's the pastor. <laughs> it was beautiful. Some of them did it. Some of them were afraid, but I'm like, how did it go? They're like, well, at first it was a little awkward, but then mom talked to the priest. <laughs> that, that, that's what the girls are worried about. That's what the boys are worried about. My mom and dad aren't married in the church. How do we get them the sacraments? I mean, who... You can't put a dollar amount on that. Like your high school kid, like jamming the phone in your face saying, hey, hey, it's Father Dan on the phone. Hello? And then the kids, the parents, mom's busted. So it's great stuff, man. Yeah, man. That's rubber meets the road stuff right there. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Why don't you lead us out with a blessing? May almighty God bless you, folks. Protect you and give you peace. God bless you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I'm going to crank it up. But let me tell you something, folks. Cranking it out on Sunday, we're going chocolate. So next week when you see me, I might have another 20 pounds on. Who knows? 